Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. This week's episode of Zero Block 30 is brought to you by our friends at Tommy John's. If you want your dick, your butthole, your vagina feeling good, wear some Tommy John's cool cotton underwear from Tommy John's. It keeps you two to three times cooler and dries four to five times faster than normal-ass cotton. No more swamp bet, your swamp butt as you wear. Your old cotton boxes don't stand a chance against the summer heat and humidity, but Tommy John's cool cotton underwear made with quick-drying moisture-whipping fabrics Will, they're the best pair that you'll ever wear, or it's a free guarantee. If Tommy John isn't the most incredible fit you've ever experienced, it's on them. Summer's here. It's fucking 105 degrees. I go golfing probably two or three times a week, like after work, between like when I do the blogs and when I go on the radio with Kate at night. During that time, it's a good 103 degrees, and I want to die. But I at actually, least I, I used to. I wish I had Tommy John because I used to play golf when I lived in Texas at that time too. But the good thing about this, and see if you agree, you warm up really quickly because it's so goddamn hot that you're just ready to go. Right. Yeah, on the but first then two. by hole four, you're you're screwed. Yeah, like, but you're those first three fun. holes, you're playing it lights out. <laughs> but yeah. with Tommy I mean, John's, to, there's only one I, hole that stays fresh the whole time. And speaking of the hole, they have the best <laughs> hole. I, they're the only underwear that I've ever known that has the. Um, horizontal flap instead right. of the vertical because whenever whenever you're wearing normal boxers you got to take your dick out like you're turkey peeking like around yeah around a corner but this <laughs> one you just go up and over the obstacle which is the fastest and most efficient way to get around so whenever you do that you can only do that with tommy johns and we have a sweet ass deal for you today with tommy johns Hurry to get TommyJohns.com slash chaps for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohns.com slash chaps for 20% off the TommyJohn.com. TommyJohn.com slash chaps. You really are going to love them. I love those underwear. They're basically the only underwear that I wear at this point because cotton, if you wear just regular cotton now after I've had so many pairs of Tommy Johns, because I have like 10 pairs at this point, when I actually pull another pair out, not good. No, you're not just like, no, nah, I'm not going to wear these. But what is great is we have an we have an interview with Nick Francona. You might recognize that name because his dad is Terry Francona. We have that coming up in just a little bit. We talk about the militarization of sports. But before we get in that, we're going to start the regular show with our damn theme music, and we're probably going to talk some motherfucking cocaine. Let's go. Chaps, Kate, Cons, Bren is in there with his little adorable little self, not knowing how to keep locks secured. He's learning all kinds of stuff. He went on a big boy trip <laughs> to San Francisco. <laughs> He's just an adorable little bucket of PFC. So, Love hey, him. hold on. So let's get into that. I mean, this is our first time back from your trip from San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. What are you talking about, and how was the trip? Tell me all about it. The trip was good. I mean, I don't want to get into it too much because I have San Francisco fatigue, but I will say this. San Francisco shot up on my favorite cities list. Yeah. Big time. Great city. I would say San Francisco is a top Two city in America. Whoa! Wow. What's yeah. one? What's one two? 
San Diego and okay. San Francisco. Yeah. And most uh, San Francisco actually might be one because it's just so beautiful there. Yeah. The weather's perfect. Like I mentioned here, it's 105 degrees. When we left San Francisco, the temperature was 58 degrees. When I landed in San Antonio, it was 108 degrees. A 50-degree fucking difference. Right. And we had the best. I'm sorry, but we had the best. Everybody in San Francisco has great calf muscles because of the hills. Oh, yeah. And then we were there for the Rugby 7, so everybody had great thighs. And it was just like a lot of good stems out there. You know what I mean? A lot of nice... uh, (laughs) <laughs> what were you gonna say? Oh, I, I, no, I was just gonna say it's like permanent vest weather, which is perfect for me. But. Oh, you were you would crush yeah. it in San Francisco I with your so style. Many, I, when I went in April, I packed so many vests; it was great. <laughs> but I'm also jealous because I'm I am a connoisseur of fine legs. So I, I'm yes. s- I'm sorry to to hear that I missed all those great legs. You missed a lot of good legs, but hopefully you'll get There's out there one, with your vest. Do you remember Matthias that plays for the U.S. team? Yes. Matthias Thighs on Twitter. If you want to see some good dude legs, mm-hmm. go to that. Best that legs I've ever seen. Leg. They look like Redwoods. Want to smother them <laughs> in barbecue sauce. Yeah. We didn't actually tell that story on uh, High Hater, so we could tell that. We took a trip out. I think it was uh, Wednesday <laughs> or Thursday that we were there. I don't know. The days kind of run together. But we woke up and we had this plan to go shoot a video in uh, Cal Berkeley. Like we were going to go to Berkeley and sh- just fuck around with a bunch of libtards. So, <laughs> so we went up there and then we were going to go to the Redwood Forest and mm-hmm. hang out. Well, about 45 minutes into the trip, Kate discovers that you can only park at the Redwood Forest if you made a reservation like days what? in advance. Yeah, they just changed it. You have to like make a call on, go online and like book yourself a parking spot. So we're sitting in traffic going up these mountains. I mean, the traffic was awful. It took us a long time to get out there. And we're like, well, we already came this far once we discovered you had to make reservations. So we just kept going we're like, well, maybe we can sweet talk the guy or yeah. whatever. No. Wow. We went all the way out there, saw the and parking lot. I mean, and it's not that far miles wise. But you could only go like 25, 30 miles an hour yeah. because the roads are so steep and winding right. all over the place. So it's just a process. But it, it was a beautiful drive out there. And then we went to Sausalito after that and had lunch in Sausalito. Mm-hmm. Sausalito's fucking gorgeous. I'm sitting on the water great. there. Yeah. You had a, a good great. view of Alcatraz. It was just nice. And then coming back to San, San where the fuck do I live? San Antonio was terrible. Uh, it's just this city sucks in the summer. It's, <laughs> it's lovely during fall, winter, and some of spring, but summer is just absolutely beautiful or brutal. The only thing good about summer is that it's my birthday. Yes, my birthday. happy birthday as we record today. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Rough part about my birthday is my lovely wife is out of town. She won't be back until tomorrow, so no birthday sex for me. Ah. Very, very sad. Is it even your birthday if you don't get to do it? No. I don't think so. Not at 36, it's not. Not at 36. So. There's nothing special. Everybody's freaking out about Rio's birthday because it's 21, and then I'm just sad sack Sally over yeah, here. Yeah, 36, <laughs> who gives a shit? Yeah. You don't yeah, have anything. No gives- nothing. Nothing's good again until, I guess, 40. When they can make something of it, but thirty six is just like, oh, okay, Shaps' birthday, next. Yeah, whatever. Bu- last night he was like, I was like, what are you gonna do for the big day? And he's like, I might go out and get myself a coconut cream pie. <laughs> I was like, it just made me so sad. <laughs> like, oh. Did you guys ever uh, have a birthday in the military that you had anything in particular happen to you because it was your birthday? Nope, <laughs> not me. What I up? was, I was in Fallujah for my. I don't remember what, 25th birthday, I believe it was. Yeah. And 
it was like five days before I got shot. It was my first thing doing anything with reconnaissance men. And so they have a tradition that when it's your birthday, they take their flippers, the swim fins, mm-hmm. and bend you over and swat you pretty fucking hard with the swim fins. And my legs were bruised to absolute hell from like my asshole to my knees mm. of from just getting beat. They just like to beat you up. Yeah, that's, like, that's a big it's, it's weird. thing. It's just like to beat you up. I think it's just the military in general. I turned 24 in Iraq. I got ambushed. Tackled, taped to a pole. Oh my god! Uh, my soldiers knew I didn't like coffee, so they poured very ice cold water and then just ground up coffee all over me. Put shaving cream all over me, and then like you one... didn't like to drink coffee, or you didn't like to touch the coffee grounds. No, I just I didn't like the. the I don't drink coffee now. I don't like. I don't really care for the taste or, or the smell, even. So they knew that, so they thought it would annoy me if they poured coffee grounds all over me. Which, so what do you get at Starbucks? I've seen you with like Starbucks cups. You I get, get tea. tea. Yeah, I get tea. I drink tea. Yeah. What a fancy boy move. I oh, love you it. know it. You know it. But and then each one by one, they stood in line, came and, and, and got one punch on my arm. And, you know, they didn't really hold back. Well, actually, now that you say it, I have a way cuter birthday story than both of yours. Uh, okay. When I was in Afghanistan on my second deployment, it was a way fluffier deployment. I was on Camp Leatherneck, and they have, like, pizza places yeah. and coffee bean and tea leaf. Yeah, Isn't that so ridiculous, though, how, how drastic the difference can be on a deployment between a major base and an outpost? Oh, yeah, and I had, like, serious FOMO when I saw people going outside the wire. I'm like, I'm stuck on this, like, fo- whatever. But I wasn't complaining when I was eating the pizza. Mm-hmm. But I turned, I think I turned 23 or 24, I forget, but I worked very closely with the Afghan interpreters because part of my job was vetting third country nationals mm-hmm. uh, for jobs on the base and stuff like that, uh, for physical security kind of stuff. And we had all become really good friends throughout the time. So they threw me a surprise birthday party on my oh, birthday. That's nice. And they had all gone to the Afghan bazaar and bought me all these neat little, like, so I still have all these little Afghan trinkets. They got a giant pizza. I sound like such a pogue telling this story, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, you they, do. <laughs> they even had a cake for me somehow. Because the flights coming was it in, coconut cream. It was not, unfortunately, but there would be flights that coming in all the time. So they had arranged, like a friend of a friend was coming in from like Dubai or somewhere where they had a Dunkin' Donuts. So they even brought me like Dunkin' wow. Donuts into the country from. Yeah, so it was like really fancy. That's very impressive. fancy. So I did not get tied to a pole and, and <laughs> beaten with flippers. But it sounds like did you get any gifts birthdays? while it was your birthday, Connor? Did you get any gifts while it was your birthday in Iraq? Uh people at home sent me things and in fact the girl i was dating at the time somehow made a cake and sent that that i actually Whoa. ate and it somehow kept in the mail it wasn't you know the best cake i've ever had but it was uh impressive with the effort nonetheless that is does you know what do you think the best gift to get whenever on your birthday for the deployment uh probably baby wipes dude wipes i would think no, I don't. Yeah, I would just. You know what I would do? I would just go with the entire kit at Dollar Shave Club. Boom! If you oh. need to shower or brush your teeth, try to make your hair look presentable. I've got good news for you. Dollar Shave Club has the stuff to help you out. They have everything that you need to get ready for the bathroom. If you're in a combat zone or if you're at your house, they all the same thing. You all need all that. It's shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that will leave your feeling your tissue feeling good. Cons. And if you're a fan of amber and lavender, they have a calming body cleanser. It's never. I've never smelled anything like it. It's delicious. It makes great, great um, bath bubbles. I love all that. All the Dollar Shave Club products are made with top shelf ingredients that you won't break your budget. 
You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is included with your membership. And here's a way to get a bunch of the Dollar Shave Club products. For just $5, you can get their Daily Essential Starter Kit. It comes with Body Cleanser, One Wipe Charlies, their amazing butt wipes, the world-famous Shave Butter, and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you can need in the bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash chaps. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash chaps. We're going to transition into our interview with Nick Francona. Here's Nick. We have a, uh interesting guest joining us right now. An article came out uh, earlier this week talking about the military, militarization of professional sports. And uh, one of the individuals mentioned in the article was Nick Francona, and you'll probably recognize that last name, Francona. Uh, Nick's grandfather, Tito Francona, he played 15 years in the league, was teammates with Hank Aaron. His father, Terry Francona, played 10 years in the major and probably most well-known around the Barstool world, managed the 2004 Red Sox to their first World Series. Uh, but we're speaking with Nick Francona. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate you joining us. So, Nick, you actually ended up in baseball, but you did not take the same path as maybe your father or grandfather did so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in baseball so I I, uh, I grew up around it as you mentioned and had always wanted to be in a uh, in a in a front office in some capacity I, I recognized pretty quickly early on uh, that I was I played through college but wasn't going to uh, be playing afterwards uh, had, I had shoulder surgery in college and uh, thrown about 78 and I, I, I was around it enough where I knew that wasn't going to cut it mm-hmm. so um pretty good college had, you were at uh, there too huh <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was a good experience. I was pretty fortunate there. And um, to uh, growing up when when my dad was with the Red Sox, that that was when uh, you had guys like Theo Epstein and and Jed Hoyer and in the front office and guys that, a lot of other guys that have gone on to to lead their own teams. And that uh, that makes it pretty easy to uh, to make being be pursuing a career in the front office be an attractive option. So I got to spend time with those guys, and that was that was eventually what I wanted to do. But uh, as I as I went through college, um, kind of had the had the itch to to be in the military and, and really didn't know it, almost like nothing about it. I mean, actually, at one point my freshman year, I went to take the ASVAB and was like ready to ready to like roll out like midway through my freshman year until a couple of my friends had an intervention and I, I really had like no idea what I was doing. I was totally ignorant about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it still had that urge at the end and um, knew that it, it was sort of a young man's game and something that if I, if I didn't do it right afterwards, I'd probably, uh, probably have those regrets and didn't want to do that. So I went, went into the Marine Corps after college. And what did you do? And in the you Marines? didn't just go into the Marine Corps. Yeah. You went to go be a platoon captain or a platoon leader of snipers. And for people who haven't been around snipers, leading snipers is not the easiest of tasks. Cause those are some weird fucking birds, man. <laughs> if you're a sniper, you're a weird bird. You don't mind sitting in the bushes, <laughs> pissing yourself. Like those are weird birds. How did you deal with that? That's an outstanding insight. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's kind of funny because you're like you're new, like second lieutenant. You like you don't have any idea what's going on, and most of the guys like you go to you go to your regular platoons, and like they're like 18 years old for the most part, and like just by mere fact of like being the officer, like like you'll be able to get through it because you can kind of run them into the ground and it'll be okay. Well, with the snipers, they're like basically like your age or older than you. Like they don't give a shit. Like they're gonna, no. they're gonna. And you uh, can't do anything to them that gonna, hasn't been done already. <laughs> yeah, they've already done like two or three deployments. They're like all like have a wild hair up their ass, like 
total wise asses. Like it, it's uh, it's definitely a different leadership style that that I learned very quickly. Um, fortunately, I was I was really I was really lucky in that I had some uh, really strong NCOs and guys that uh, that I think appreciated kind of being brought into the fold and and be like I like it, it was one of those cases where you just have to be open about it and say like guys like I need your help too like you're it's definitely no doubt an enlisted driven MOS and and really like should be. And I think you like, I think once they, once they recognize that I want to empower them and, and give them some responsibility and, and kind of governing and running the platoon, they still had the respect of who's in charge. And, and it was, it was certainly a leadership challenge, but it was a, uh, something I enjoyed. And I think I'm a lot better for it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Being around those guys is great. And it probably didn't hurt that your dad was Terry Francona. Um, I, one of my Marines, whenever I was a company gunny was John Paxson's son, who's the G or he's the president of the Bulls. And they always would try to get him to play on the intramural basketball teams or the base-wide basketball teams. Did you have that where they were constantly scouting you, different commanders around, be like, hey, we got this softball tournament coming up. We know you're pretty good. No, but we uh, – some of the guys figured it out right away. I mean, you wear your name on your on your uniform, so it's kind of hard to, to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really didn't come up a, a ton. Like, every now and then, like, the – like when I was going through some of the training, some of the uh, the public relations people were trying to trying to pimp out a couple headlines from it and stuff like that that I, I tried to lay low for the most part. But um, it uh, it really didn't come up. Uh, it, the the funny story of it was when uh, when we were in Afghanistan, it um, ended up uh, a couple of us with with uh, I was with a couple guys and one of our sniper teams on a, on the roof and. Uh, they're like we we were getting little hand grenade fights and nothing like too serious, but uh, I, I ended up throwing throwing it because they're like you probably got the best arm here, so why, why don't you have Adam? That worked out. So Nick, how long did you end up serving in the Marines? Just under four years. Okay, so just under four years, and then ever since nine eleven, we've seen the presence of the military in professional sports. You know the the recognition uh, recognition of Soldiers on the field. We have reenlistment ceremonies. Uh, so obviously, there was a need for some sort of liaison, and you filled that role for the Mets ultimately, right? No, that was uh, that was something I think was a little uh, misconstrued in the article. I was um, my my job was I was in baseball operations, just like the uh, just like kind of any front office path on the mm-hmm. baseball side. Um, in particular with the Mets, I was working on, on player development. So trying to get guys up through the minor league system and, and refine and develop the prospects. Uh, as far as working on the, the military stuff, that was something that I, I had want, offered to do in, in my free time and was, was passionate about and, and saw that there were some gaps. So try to try to step up and help out on those. Yep. So. Let me just read you a, a quick stat here. It's kind of some interesting numbers. So in 2012, New York Army National Guard paid the Buffalo Bills $250,000 to conduct on-field reenlistment ceremonies. 2014, the Georgia National Guard paid the Atlanta Falcons $114,000 to sing the national anthem. 2015, the Air Force paid NASCAR $1.5 million in part for veterans to shake hands with racing legends. So do you think the patriotism that we have now in sports was born out of just that, just professional organizations having 
overt patriotism or was it a necessity for the military to continue? I, I to think recruit? it probably goes. Yeah, I think it probably goes back a little further. I think I I, I don't want to be like too cynical about it because I think I think there I, I don't think it's entirely black and white. I think there's I think there was probably an organic element of it post nine eleven where it was a, a unifying factor. Um, I think like like a lot of things that it evolved on on both sides where there's there's all on the, on the military side there's always been that like going back to ancient times like the the martial nature of sports and and now it's not nearly as organic so we we sort of have to fake it mm-hmm. and on the sports side i think it, it evolved into something that could be monetized pretty quickly on on one hand and on the other I think there's this, uh, there was a really good quote from an anonymous executive about being afraid of being seen as unpatriotic when, uh, when you don't roll, roll out the soldiers pregame or have enormous flags or, or sit on field enlistment ceremonies. And I think that's certainly an element of it. And, and I was actually surprised that, that that quote in that article got so much traction because that, that I think that's kind of like a given around the, around baseball, certainly. And um, Major League Baseball officials were actually like really transparent about this when we had discussions, and they their their big fear overall was they didn't want to be seen like the NFL in the last year and a half and have Donald Trump tweeting at them. And right. so I, I think what that does is it kind of leaves things on this on this superficial level, where it's if we dress our players up in camo and have giant flags, like all is good in the world. And it is hugely beneficial. I mean, like when we go to games and you see, like I know the Jags specifically, the Jaguars specifically, right before the beginning of the fourth quarter, they have a military member come up and ring this big bell. Everybody cheers. They play like proud to be American. Everybody feels great. The NFL gets like a good feeling from it, even though that, and the DOD has a recruiting budget that they have to use. And it's a great recruiting tool because people look at it and be like, man, if I do this job, people will really respect me. And they just go through the whole thing. But the idea of having forced patriotism doesn't seem exactly right, and sometimes it doesn't feel necessary. Like I've noticed there's a big shift in a lot of vets who are like, do we really even need to play the national anthem at a lot of sporting events? Mm-hmm. What's the deal with that? How do you feel about that? Do you think that patriotism, we're trying to push it through a little needle a little bit too much, or should we continue on this same course? Well, I, I think that's a I think that's a great point, and, and there's there's obviously a, a lot of different elements of that. I think um, I, I think it, it, at least to start with, it one of the issues that I have with it is it makes you question sort of like everything in in terms of you, 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 you once you see that okay, a couple teams are getting paid for this, and these are orchestrated events, and you wonder like what's kind of what's real here and what's genuine. Yeah. It's like and, the American then, version the other, of finding out Santa Claus isn't real. Exactly, and then the other the other thing that uh, I, I think where you you see some problems with it is it almost it almost like satiates this like like we check the patriotism box and right. we leave the conversations at, at at a certain level. So like even when it is genuine, it I, I think it's sort of like people often, often mock the kind of like the thank you for your service mentality. Um, I think it, it in a lot of ways it like prevents. Uh, conversations from going deeper because i think like at the end of the day like if you're i would hope that not a ton of people and i know i'm i know a lot of guys that 
from my experience, certainly aren't serving so they can throw out the first pitch of the game or, or get discounted tickets. That's not the point. And if, if you are, that's like probably got some other issues. <laughs> and if, um, and, and that's also probably like, I think as like, like sports teams in society, you can probably do better than, than that being the level of engagement. I will say, though, that after I got shot and I came back and the Redskins gave me box tickets and the Nationals gave me tickets behind home plate, I was willing to go back again. I was like, if these are the kind of perks that you get, sign me the fuck up. Get shot somewhere else for that one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd do the other arm. I'm not going to do anywhere that would really hurt, yeah. but the other arm would have been fine with me. No, but Nick, it, yeah. almost, it, it almost feels like it's, it's, as you mentioned, like an over-commercialization to the point where – you almost become desensitized to it. I mean, the NFL has an entire month of November where they're wearing their, their camo and, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously baseball has a Memorial Day where, where they, they get the, the, the camo and Fourth of July where they do the, the Stars and Stripes uniforms. Does, do you think it's getting to a point where it's, it's not even becoming effective? And as you said, they're, they're, they're just checking the box. I mean, at one point you mentioned that the, in this article that the, the Mets referred to gold star families as, as license holders. Like where's, where's the line? When are we going to draw the line that maybe we're going a little too far? Yeah. And that, and uh, to clarify that, that was uh, the Mets had relayed that to me. That was from major league baseball. Okay. And I had, um, and you know what, like the, it, it, as callous as that one was, it was like kind of like a symptom of just like general cluelessness with this. And I think the um, like in terms of like being numb to it, I think I, I think it, it it's happened for so long now, and and it's so ubiquitous. And there's also it, it sort of lacks like real like substantive meaning. So I think what happens is you you end up uh, it just kind of drifts along and drifts along, and then and if you if you pull back from it, people are afraid of the consequences of that. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me was that Major League Baseball has been doing this, I, th I think, for about a decade. And they just, like, haven't engaged with Gold Star families or, or, or really engaged with veterans on these programs. And I think if you're, if, if you're running a Memorial Day program and saying it's, like, to honor fallen, fallen service members and you haven't engaged with that community at all, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, at, at one point I mentioned out of the – thousands of employees in major league baseball only 10 are veterans so it's where where where's the message that hey we want to support our veterans and, and do all these things that everybody can see but then behind the scenes we're not really doing our part to support veterans yeah that and that part was one that um i spent a ton of time on and it was particularly frustrating for me because like most of the places i worked in baseball i was the i was the only veteran or there might have been one or two others um to, to the best of my knowledge, I didn't work with a single other post 9-11 veteran, mm -hmm. like, like in the core areas I was working in. Um, there, there was actually one at towards my, the end of my tenure at the Mets that, that I played a role in hiring. But outside of that, it, they really didn't exist. So you see this, um, like just the, the dichotomy on, on one hand, you have this, like really we're going to scream really loud about how much we support this and on the other side it's it's it, you're like a novelty item right but at the same time we do kind of got to be careful because we look at our generation of vets who get all this recognition constantly and you look back at the vietnam veterans and sometimes i think whenever you see post 9-11 vets complaining about the type of attention that you get 
like they must be thinking, dude, I wish I would have got any of that forced or not. Yeah, I, I think that's totally valid. And I think the um, the thing that I think that's completely valid. And I think the um, the thing that was uh, a lot of I, I heard from a lot of veterans over the last few years that were interested in, in careers in sports or baseball. And I, I, what they usually said was they, they didn't really know where else to go. So they they try to were trying to find help somewhere. And, and I try to try to help as many of them as I could. And not a single one of them had this attitude of I, I, I deserve something special. There was no entitlement there. They they really just wanted a, a shot and get to get their resume read even. And it, it's tough to get into sports period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard. And I like, even from, from my experience, I like, if I was uh, going into front office after college, I had a kind of like your prototype of a, of a baseball front office resume of playing baseball in Ivy league school. And even with all the, the connections I had g- coming out of the Marine Corps, it was a lot harder. And that, that was uh, pretty surprising to me because it's not, it's not necessarily something I expected. And these guys, these guys didn't want th- that. I was trying to help. They didn't want any like leg up. They didn't want any unfair advantage. They didn't, they, they really just wanted like a reasonable shot. And they didn't want the the stupid stuff that was getting in the way of where it's like I had a guy recently tell me that there were then this was for a job that he was massively overqualified for. And uh, during the interview, they they ended the interview when they they asked him about his reserve obligations. And that's the kind of thing where Mm. where it's like, okay, like, like, really, we're going to like sit here and talk about how much we support the military. And then you're like, actually, like overtly going to going to bang a guy because of the the reserve obligations that that's that's a little much and we we talk a lot about mental health on this show and like getting treatment and things like that one of your biggest moments i think in the article that stuck out was your treatment after you came and told your bosses and supervisors that you had traumatic brain injury and you needed to get treatment for that can you kind of tell us what happened with that backlash yeah so it was um I things were going like really well and, and like enjoyed working there and and um it, it was the guy was uh overtly supportive and and kind of try like saying the right things but I I, I could tell right away that it wasn't it, it wasn't genuine it was sort of being weaponized and what went what went and this really wasn't like a big deal like I was getting headaches in the morning but like nobody at like work really like knew there were knew about it wasn't like affecting my my work or anything it was more a quality of life issue and um just told him i was uh, he was gonna have an appointment and his uh response was to, to push for a leave of absence and i pushed back on that and said like i don't don't need that don't want that it's kind of the opposite of of what anybody would recommend and and on top of that it would it would make it no longer a, a private issue because then my my colleagues are all going to be sitting there wondering where the heck i am and that, uh, and this was all before I like even had an appointment, which made it like pretty hard to swallow. And then um, he kind of like really latched on to that narrative and and of like being a damaged veteran, which was uh, w- which frankly like sucked. And then you're, I'm, I'm like I I eventually like quickly got to the point where um, I was just like okay, like I'm just gonna like hope people forget about this and deal with it on my own time. Like the last thing I want want to talk about with any of these guys. And um, what, what, 
what was like like I, I really didn't have like like I, I was like a little like bitter towards him about that, but but I don't really, like don't have any like particular malice towards like I, I really thought it was like a one off type of thing where like perfect storm of like one guy just like being a little crazy and not getting it and that that happens, it's fine. What yeah, was, and I think uh, a lot of times because of the stories that you hear, whenever you hear traumatic brain injury, you hear PTSD, you assume that the next moment the dude's going to be running in the woods in whitey tidies, like with a weapon around his face with feces smear on his face like it's war paint. When in reality, <laughs> we need to treat traumatic brain injury and PTSD like it's a stomach ache. Like you have to go to the doctor, you see appointments every now and then, and that's basically it. I think that most people don't know that, and that's why we try to talk about it a little bit more on this show. So if you have an employee that has this type of issue, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's just like another doctor appointment. So don't treat your person like they're broke a fuck like carton of eggs because they're not. Yeah, and, and that that was that was really like my key point. And I uh, I I wanted to like I initially when this happened, there there were some offers of some some a substantial amount of money to to go away and be quiet about it. And I had. Uh, I was talking about it with my family and, and my, my mom works for, for a program called home base up in Boston. Oh at, yeah. We know uh, home base. We've worked with them it's, before. Yeah. It's an, it's an awesome program. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's familiar with a lot of this stuff and, and ultimately we're talking about, she's like, you're, you're really going to regret this. If you like, don't like, if, if this is happening to somebody else down the road and, and you, you took money to be quiet about it. Like you're going to, you're going to have a tough time living at that. And, and she was right. And so I tried to turn this into a positive and, and have their, not that there were other veterans in Major League Baseball, but I was hoping there eventually would be, and maybe even have an impact beyond that. And the, uh, the engagement from Major League Baseball was like, like could not have been more disheartening where the, like it re- like it was an immediate cover up and like the message from them was like in order to protect people's reputations. It was like nothing, nothing to be seen here. Like you're, you're a liar. You're like playing the veterans card. And mm-hmm. there's really like nothing more degrading than, than yeah. being like, what if I am like, just trying to have like a serious conversation about this. And for you, for you guys to like come out and say that, like, that there's like what I'm saying is not real or not even look at it when like all the veterans organizations that look at it, say this is like how you would troll somebody. Yeah. But I mean, um, everything you were saying was, was valid. Everything you were saying was valid, and you know, they 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 want to paint like the Mets as, as the bad guys here because that's easy because you know they've had their their troubles in their front office. But ultimately, it sounds like there's just a a big pervasive problem within Major League Baseball. Yeah, and it's um, and that that's what's by far most disappointing to me because I mean, this is a it's a, like I grew up around the game, like our family friends around the game, and like. Like I'm like an outsider now for for and like turned into a pariah by Major League Baseball for for speaking out of things that I'm like particularly proud of, and I think it's um like I I really tried to do the right thing at at every turn here and make a difference and it, this stuff isn't hard it's really not that hard, mm-hmm. but it's it's been like a there's like such a short term orientation where, and, and then I think that's exacerbated by the fact that there's so few veterans in baseball to start with that there wasn't anybody to really like shake them and be like, look, like we've got to do a little bit better than this. Mm -hmm. And that, um, like even, like, even like give you an example, like during the, like MLB eventually a year after the fact did, did a sham of an investigation and their, um, 
like you're having like the CEO of the Dodgers is making statements about how like vet, like me being violent because I was a veteran. And I'm like, like when it happens, I'm like, like I was actually like, awesome. This is great. Like now you're going to see like how silly this is. And um, for that, for that kind of thing to happen with like total impunity is, is uh, it's, it's really disappointing. Yeah. Well, you know, we're grateful that you're speaking up on behalf of our community and hopefully can, this will affect some change overall in, in major league baseball. So we, we really appreciate you being the pioneer here. All right, before we let yeah, you go, what's the on. most fucked up thing that you saw in your time in the Marine Corps? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> doesn't have to be a war crime. Uh, well, well, funny you mention that. <laughs> when uh, it, it might have been like two weeks after I got back, I was, I was at home on leave and get a call from our XO. And um, we're uh, – that's when the the marine uh snipers peeing on bodies scandal mm. broke yeah and there's there there were there were two sniper platoons there at the time we see the date on the video but all the faces are blurred out and i'm like man like i'm pretty sure this wasn't my guys but like there's a i can't say without 100% cuz like some of them have like have the ability to be a little a little wacky at times so there's like a 50% chance this is us and uh, I, I was like a little panicked there for, for about two weeks, and it, it turned out uh, it turned out it wasn't our guys. They, they swore by it, and then eventually came out as another battalion. But uh, I, I was sweating it out there for a little bit. So you had to have your phone on you, like extra close, like yeah, it was your dudes pissing on people. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and it was, it was. I was like, man, I really hope. Like, I'm pretty sure this wasn't us. Like, like. Did you was, ask like, them? Did you ask your guys, them? or you just oh, was it like yeah, whenever you're a really yeah, young I'm, person I'm, and you have a shitty bank account you don't even look at your checking account number you're just like i don't even want to ask them i don't want to know eventually i'll find out no bro, I, I i was asking them for sure because i'm like well like did you guys like shoot people and like drag the bodies back without like did you guys like not tell anybody like any of this stuff and i'm like trying to like like man like this is kind of implausible but i really hope it wasn't our dudes but it uh fortunately it was not them i was i was a little i was a little worried about it for a couple days though all right. Well, Nick, uh, as I said, we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you speaking up uh, on behalf of veterans uh, involved with, with Major League Baseball. And, and hopefully, as I said, so we'll see some changes here in, in the near future. And I, I trust uh, with your Marine background and Ivy League degree that you're going to land on your feet, even though you're, you're not in baseball anymore. So we wish you the best of luck and appreciate you joining us today. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks again to Nick for bringing on, um, for coming on with us today. That interview was also brought to you by our friends at Muggsy Jeans. I want to talk to you guys about Muggsy Jeans. Muggsy's are stylish jeans that they are comfortable as sweatpants. You heard that right, jeans that are stylish and literally as comfortable as sweatpants. Last week we were talking about how good it feels. That it just feels like a hug for your legs when I put the Muggsy's on. I feel like my legs are wrapped in a pair of Golden Retriever puppies. They're so soft and flexible that it's mind blowing. They really are comfortable. I mean, they look good, too. I was wearing them. My wife had no idea that they were basically the same material as sweatpants. Like, you can move around. Not the same material, but they are as comfortable. Like, you could do squats. You could do yoga. You could do all that shit in these muggy pants. And they might even give you superpowers. Since I've started wearing them, I've been irresistible to women, which is problematic for me. Unstoppable in bear fights. And, and I can punt a football over 100 yards with ease all while wearing my muggsies. Now there's something that you may be thinking these sound too good to be true. That's not the case. 
If you're in doubt, Muggsy has a free and easy return and exchanges, so you have nothing to lose. The only question is whether you should be asking yourself is, why don't I have a pair right now? That's a really quick question. I'm here to help you out. Go to MuggsyJeans.com, use the code CHAPS, and get $10 off their selection of lightweight, super breathable summer styles. That's M-U-G-S-Y Jeans.com to snag a pair of your favorite jeans today and use the common pro- promo code CHAPS when you check out. So Ooh, that was a, that was that was a, a mouthful. One. That was a mouthful. Well, but, but that's done. true. Those jeans are they are first class, very comfortable. So that, I mean, that was that was an interesting conversation. I thought, um, and it, yeah. it's a conversation I don't think is being had by a lot of people. Uh, maybe by a few folks in the veteran community. But I was just curious what your thoughts on the the Kate the the paid patriotism is now in in professional sports. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good and doesn't feel genuine. Um, I, I'll admit I do get a lady boner when like a big thing of airplanes goes overhead, and sure. I still Who get that. Like a flyover, yeah. But at the same time, even in the article too, they're right. It's these are like weapons of death. These are things that like we should take a little more seriously, maybe. And the especially the paying for it—that's taxpayer money, right. and nobody knows it. That was the shadiness of it, and I too like. I was at a professional tennis match once when I was in the Marines, and we got voluntold to unfurl a giant American flag out on the mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. in our Charlies, and, like, you could tell nobody. It was just, like, it just, the whole thing just felt so fake and so wacky, especially when a saxophone player came out and started playing Proud to be an American behind yeah. me, and I could not keep a straight face. Yeah. But there's, <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple things like that where I'm just, like, and another part of that article that really got to me, too, was when he talks about how, they almost prayed around they bring disabled veterans out at the baseball games. And I can think of very specific examples. And they are happy and look how happy they are and blah, blah. And mm. you don't, it makes you feel like, oh, everything's okay. Right. And it's not. No. That's a great, fr- and it's, I'm not belittling if that's you and you've had that experience. That's great. I'm glad that you got to do that. But at the same time, I feel like it doesn't show the full experience and it just kind of paints over how difficult life really can be if that's your the case i don't know yeah but i just i really agreed with him when i read it it's something i hadn't given actually too too much thought to until Mm -hmm. i read that article and i thought of all these examples in my mind and i was like yeah this is pretty spot on for how i i feel about it and i think it sucks that he had to go through all that and i think it's pretty cool that he stood his Mm -hmm. like he he stood stood up for it and yeah Yeah. and that he's so hopefully the mlb kind of comes around and I know they're partnering with Headstrong Project, right? With Headstrong Project. I hope that maybe this is a step forward in the right direction to help them. Well, I think one of the hardest things is what Nick mentioned is that no team in any of the, especially the four major professional sports, no one wants to be the first ones to be like, all right, we're going to ratchet it back a little. We're not going to be as overtly patriotic and we're going to stop doing X, Y, and Z because then, oh my God, the... The Marlins hate America. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just the, the vitriol that would come down on that organization is not yeah. something you want. It would be a PR nightmare. So I, I don't know how it changes. I think it has to change at the top. I think commissioner has to say to his teams, wh- whatever sport it may be, hey, maybe we can tone this down a little bit. Because I do think, to an extent, I, I think I'll use the NFL as, as an example, the, the the whole month of November where it's all the, the camo jerseys and the camo towels and socks, I, it seems as though they're using the military as a prop. And, and, and Chaps, you mentioned it when we spoke to Nick. There are other veterans from other wars who did not receive the hero's welcome that we did, and we are so grateful for that. But now I think it might be going too far to the other extreme where 
America's maybe becoming desensitized to it, and they're not appreciating it as much. Well, they certainly are, and I think that a lot of that is just the way that we do business. And I don't even know what the because you can't do it with this president in office. You can't do it. Oh no, no shot. They he will just tweet about it and tweet about it and tweet about it, and it was exhausting. I yep. mean, the NFL was exhausting just because of the kneeling situation. Oh my like, gosh, yeah. and uh. you understand, even if you understand the arguments of why they're kneeling, the president brings it up all the time, and they have to make stances. And obviously, the players aren't going to go along with that because they're they're grown ass men who are also millionaires who are making a stance that they believe in. So they're not just going to back off because somebody tells them to. Mm-hmm. It's a never ending cycle. It yeah. really is. And we're doing things I've never really thought about it. I thought about it more this week. A lot of the CENTCOM and different Twitter accounts that represent America's institutions mm-hmm. have been posting a lot more body counts of like ter- number of terrorists that we've killed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that is a wise thing to do whenever you're basically making like real life is Fortnite. Right. Whenever you're, we killed 1,700 yeah. today. Yeah, you know, it's like, interesting. I, I'm, I'm to watching. To me, that's just not a good look. I agree. I'm watching that documentary about Vietnam, the you know, 15-hour documentary on, on PBS right now. And one of the things that was mentioned, you know, back during Vietnam, they would always say, like, uh, we're, we're killing 10 Viet Cong for every one of our soldiers lost. And, and they said, listen, the American people don't care about that 10. They care about that one, Right. So I, I think that's that's how you have to look at it. We don't have to worry about how many terrorists we're killing. We need to get to a point where we're not losing any more of our military. Well, I think it's also yeah, I, that they they're showing look look American people we're still doing that over right, that we're still right. crushing it. I think they need to show that because it's been going on so long. They need some sort of number or something to throw out to the sure. American public. I was just reading a thing today where Mattis hasn't given an interview in like a real interview in months. The his spokespeople have really cut back. They're harder to get a hold of. And they're saying, like, less and less and less information coming about coming out about what the fuck's going on over there. What is the plan? And as it's getting quieter and quieter, they're tossing out shit like that, where it's, like, all fire and shock and awe and blah, blah, blah. Look at, look at this. But the real important shit is what's being held back. And I think that's tied in with the military patriotism thing um, for sporting events mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Everybody wants the pomp and circumstance and blah, 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 and all that stuff, but it seems so disingenuine when nobody knows what the fuck is going on in Iraq and Afghanistan yeah. and in the Middle East. That's like, a great point. It, ask anybody who's like, America, standing up at those games, like, what is going on? And yeah, nobody, what's our strategy in Afghanistan? No one will be able to tell you. No. And listen, so, I get really it. The, the, the thing that we really need to do is just have the same amount of accountability no matter which party is in charge. If the... If you're a Republican now, looking back at it, and the Obama administration wasn't giving any information about what happened in Iraq, Afghanistan, you would be upset about it. Have that same level of upset if your party is in charge. And I think that's something that we all need to do as like the veteran community is hold people accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to – you know, I get it. I I get the the different branches of the military have to figure out a way to man the force. You know, it is is a reality. We are still – uh, fighting in, in conflicts, so one of those avenues is sports. Yeah, but I, I think they could just do it in a way that's that's a little smarter. I mean, and chaps, you mentioned they do have a budget for for advertising and and for recruitment. So I don't necessarily have that big of an issue with paying different organizations, 
money to, to advertise with them just because just that's the, the price of doing business. But I think we could subvert that, that money a yeah, little differently you could and do, do it differently. If you wanted to be – if the Marine Corps still wanted to advertise with the NFL, mm-hmm. you could have like the Marine Corps infantry hit of the day. Like right. whether yeah. it's a hard yeah. hit or something yeah. like that or the – like if you carry somebody, you know, the carry of the day and then show somebody – like doing a combat carry of their yeah. buddy, like going. You could do that type of thing, or like they do with the UFC, just putting the Eagle Globe and Anchor in the middle of the octagon. Right. right. That yeah. works. All this shit's so damn stressful. And it's making me lose my fucking hair. Luckily, I have my friends at Fortnite <laughs> help me out with that. Sixty-six percent of the mayor lose men lose their hair by the age of thirty-five. Well, fellas, I'm fucking thirty-six. Oh no! Ooh, and you got a solid salad. <laughs> the thing is, when you start to notice your hair is gone, it's too damn late. Forehems.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. It gets you with real doctors for medical-grade solutions that treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Although, that being said, whenever I was at 7-Eleven in New York right by the office, I mm. saw like the little packs like they sell yep, yep, yep. Ammonium or Advil of boner pills. Yeah. I want to go there and take like 10 just to see what happens. <laughs> just to see. I mean, I don't have issues with boners, and if I did, I would go with forehems, but it can't be bad. I mean, at worst, it's like taking a couple. <laughs> at worst, it's like taking a couple. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, better you than me. You, you go ahead and try that out. Let us know what happens. I'll just be wearing my golf pants around the office and be like, it's the optical illusion. It's the pleats. It's, it's the, the pleats. <laughs> uh, well, you know what really, really gets people going? What? Cocaine. <laughs> Oh, wait, we have to continue with the read. For hymns right now for $5 while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash zero. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash zero. Forhims.com slash zero for five bucks off. You're going to get all kinds of good shit, and it's not going to be 7-Eleven boner pills. Cocaine does get people going. Right. <laughs> I'm Cocaine's sorry. a drug. I, I, I read that wrong. I read, yeah. I read the room wrong. So you hate to see it. You hate to see it. No, this is actually not a good good look for our, our military in, in, in general. But um, came out this week, and we had mentioned this topic on the show uh, months ago. But a new update is the U.S. Naval Academy said it's going to charge one of its midshipmen uh, who is accused – of allegedly dealing cocaine and other narcotics in what may be one of the biggest drug cases at the school in years. The charges are related to a June 15th arrest at the Firefly Music Festival. Police arrested two Ohio men after they allegedly sold ecstasy to undercover police officer, police officers, and upon searching their car, they found 33 grams of ecstasy, 4.6 grams of cocaine, 1.1 grams of marijuana, and a digital scale. I don't know drugs really that well because i've never done any of those things uh and that's actually that that's not me just saying that i've actually never done any of the things mentioned i don't even know if that's a lot seems like a lot though well let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) it's a goodly amount it'll get the party going uh Uh, so yeah bad look for the navy bad look for the naval academy bad look yeah bad look at the same time kind of a cool look the (laughs) navy parties the navy fucks Maybe that, instead of spending all their money on NFL games, would be like, hey, in the Navy, we still do cocaine. I think that's fine. Yeah, that could be totally a thing. But, uh, man, 
I well, just, you know what it is? I think, aside from the, the marijuana, I do know about these other drugs in terms of, like, drug testing. They're in and out of your system real quick. Yes. So, yes, they are. although, you know, in addition to being very prevalent party drugs among civilians, they're probably the, the drug of choice for those in the military because the chances of coming up hot on a piss test are less likely when you got something that's going to just flush out of your system so quickly. Right. It says the Naval, I guess, the Naval Academy, they get drug tested three times a year. They just don't know when it's going to be. Yep. And, like... If I was into this kind of stuff, I'd take my chances on that. I, but at the same time, I feel like it's you have to work so hard to get into the yeah. Naval Academy. Why would you? I know everybody's human and everybody fucks up, but like, man, that's such a crazy yeah, thing I mean, to. I knew guys who got kicked out for for marijuana, and you, 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 when you see who it is, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But and I, I'm I'm sure there were people who did. The other drugs mentioned uh, at, at school as well, but I'm, I'm of the same camp as you, Kate. It's it was for me. I, I mean, aside from the fact that I never had really a desire to, I've never had the personality to try things like that. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to me to roll those dice because yeah. that one night of fun is that worth all the work I put in to get into this school, and then subsequently and not, ruining the life I could potentially have after by being kicked. And out. And not just the fact that you're gonna get kicked out of school. I wouldn't do it just because I wouldn't want to stand outside the commander's fucking office for that long. Oof. Yeah. You're going to be like standing <laughs> by to stand by, like waiting to talk to the first sergeant or the chief in this case. And that's a long day. I mean, even mm. though you know, and you know what the end outcome is going to be, you're going to get kicked out of school. Right. You're going to get kicked out regardless. It's even just if not you're worth on it. active duty. Yeah. You're just going to be sitting there and it's going to be a miserable time. Everybody looks at you like you're a shit bag. You're going to have to start mopping, like when you're waiting for your admin separation orders. You're going to be mopping and cleaning and going to get that bag of trash for you first, Sergeant. Oh, mm-hmm. God, dude, not worth it at all. No. And I, like, I, I've i dabbled in things before <laughs> and after the Marine Corps, but when I was in, I can Crocodilia. honestly say it never, yes, that was a big thing. I never, <laughs> never, like, it didn't even, right, it didn't even occur to me to, there was guys, like, getting kicked out for doing, like, spice and all that dumb stuff, and I'm like, it's that important to you to smoke a bag of like weird herbs from the gas station. Like right. really you can't wait just a little longer. Like yeah, just on, wait dude. till you're out of the military then go nuts or wait until you're a high enough rank that you can just brush it under the rug. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, we're one thing I know about zero block 30 is we're huge. If you want to do heroin, just get fucking lit whenever you get out. Just don't do it. While yeah. You're just give it some time. <laughs> Pro heroin podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Any safe rounds alibis? Well, we got a badass of the week. Then PFC Watsonville sprung into action on September 17, 2016, while vacationing near the Lower Salt River in Arizona. Child fell into the river, was holding on for dear life, and you know they said someone's got to get that child out of the river. So he jumped in, allowed the strong current to take him to the child, and then hung on to the child until they could get a rescue vessel out there to, to save them both. And they had said wow. that... I mean, the child, he, when he was holding the child, he was shivering. He was near hypothermia because I guess that river is pretty cold. Um, so kudos to him for just springing into action and, and not having any regard for his own personal safety. That's awesome. Yeah. If and I can make this. Doing that, whenever you're in the process, what keeps you warm is knowing that you're at least going to get a meritorious mask. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep the, the warm, like, warm medals around oh, you. Oh, fuck yeah. Somebody's going to be the NCO recorder. <laughs> It's this guy. <laughs> uh, Very and nice. One other, uh, another Navy Marine issue. Um, uh, unfortunately, there was a, a death this week. The first female flag officer ever in the Navy, Rear Admiral Aileen B. Dork, 
uh, passed away. She was the Navy's uh, first admiral, first female admiral. Passed away on July twenty first, twenty eighteen, and she was ninety eight years old. So whoa, yeah, good long life for her. Good long life and a, a pioneer. Impressive so. woman. Very cool. Absolutely. Well, not very cool that she died, but very no. cool the things she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Pretty dark. <laughs> so Sounder. yeah. So anyway, collar pull. <laughs> save rounds and alibis. What do you got? That's it. I don't have anything. Do you, okay? I'm trying to think. I don't think that I do. If you're in Montauk, August 4th, Operation HOH is having our annual 5K. Go to OperationHOH.com to sign up. It's a great little 5K. It's in this really nifty park right on the water. Uh, there will be all sorts of refreshments afterwards to enjoy, and there's a big party, big soiree that evening. So OperationHOH.com. In Montauk? In Montauk, yeah. And that's out on Long Island? That's yes. out in the Hamptons? Yes. Wow, I've never yeah, been yeah. invited out there before. You guys got a big house out there or something? I think they do, yeah. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. Interesting. And yeah. to our listeners who are preparing for Marine Corps balls, I'm speaking at one in October. So if you want me to come, you have to invite quickly because my schedule's kind of feeling up. Whoa. So get out with me. Chat what? what a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> if you want me to come to your ball, you better get in touch. I'm well, pretty I mean, freaking popular. reach out, and they've been at the same thing, so I don't know how to talk to anybody else except for that. Jesus, but I know a lot what of commanders a sellout. Listen. So if you want me to come, get up with me, and I will come to your ball. Kate's going to go with me to the one in Boston. Yeah. Cool. It's going to be wicked yeah, so- fun. And you can It'll invite me to fun. your ball too. Just send me what the menu is. I want to know invite what Brent too. DJ is going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go to a Marine Corps, <laughs> Corps ball. Number one and Whoa! number two. Number two. Wrong. Uh, Kate, I mean, I hate to say it, but based on the DMs, it seems like there might be some guys who want to take you to their balls. Uh, well, wrong balls though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> let this awkwardness just last for a little while I longer. I am dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you love this seconds. attention. I do. Keep the balls. Keep the keep the balls rolling in my DMs. It's like wafting her shirt because she's feeling uncomfortable. I got the ball sweats. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're listening, you want to slide into Kate's DMs. Slide into Kate's DMs because Chaps and I both also look at the ZBT's DMs. So if you're going to be propositioning yeah. young Kate, stick to her DMs. Young thirty-two-year-old well, yeah, Kate. New proposition, and Kate, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> At the very least, no dick pics. Yeah. Be a Hard gentleman. Fast rule. Don't listen Sound to them. Treat. They don't know me. I don't mind. <laughs> Just kidding, though. Sound please don't. Treat. 